Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown, episode 136, is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SCC. Joining me this episode, co-host Will Miles. You can find his work at readandreaction.com, and find him on Twitter at WillMiles. S-E-C. Well, uh, you missed last week. I uh, took some time off to, to be with the family, spent some time with the family and and, and the work routine and whatnot, but uh, definitely glad to have you back on. Hey, man, I'm back. So I was actually down with you guys. I was down in Orlando, but uh, as you said, it was it was work, <laughs> real work. Real, so, real life. <laughs> real life getting in the way, and Thomas did a great job. So, And to be honest, he's closer to the, to the spring practice stuff that's going on than I am anyway. So um, if I'd have been on here, I would have just been basically reading to the people what Thomas was writing. So uh, <laughs> so it all worked out okay. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, people have been asking. And I don't have too many left, but I did know your hat today. So Well, that's good. I'm, I'm very, very, very bitter that, <laughs> that you've had that Gators Breakdown hat for like a month now. And I'm just sitting over here with my shiny head in my basement with all the lights shining down on it. And, uh, you know, I, I need something to make me look younger because the hair's the hairline is receding. So uh, you strategically covered up yours. I need something to help me help me out, too. Man, you told you told my secret. That's what it is. <laughs> the high, if, the, if, the high if hairline. If that's your only secret, I think you you, you got uh, <laughs> we got to find some other skeletons there, buddy. Okay, yeah, uh, I do have a couple more of the trucker style hats left. I think only two of those left. Uh, three of just a regular blue hat with the Gators Breakdown logo, and I think five left of uh, a black hat with the Gators Breakdown logo. So, guys, follow me on Twitter. You can uh, get the hat there. Um, I put you know. PayPal me or whatever, but uh, or if you leave a comment in the YouTube section, uh, if you if you don't follow me on Twitter or whatever, uh, we'll we'll find some way. But I'll have to order more of the trucker hats if those decide to, to go pretty fast. That that was the most popular one, Will the the trucker style. Hey, that's the one I ordered. But uh, yeah. you know, we have a lot of people on Twitter always ask us, sort of, you know, do we have a do we have a Patreon account, or you know, how can they help us out and things like that? And you know, we don't really want to charge for the stuff we do. I mean, it it, it feels kind of feels kind of slimy to do that. So you know, if you guys want to support us by buying this sort of stuff, it's it's always cool. We're not making a ton of money off of it, but it's uh, if if nothing else, it's cool to see the logo out there and then and, and see everybody's support. 
That's all I did. That, that's all I, all I care. If you just get the logo out there. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy as I can be with that part of it. So uh, remember, you can find all your Gators Breakdown episodes on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Uh, News for Jacks has Gator-related, football-related articles. Uh, they went to practice last week. Um, so uh, got to talk to fans of how excited they are about Dan Mullen. Some articles there on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown as well. But that is where you will find the podcast for Gators Breakdown. Uh, find on iTunes, Google Play as well if you're subscribed there. YouTube, if you're either watching this live now, or you can check out the video version there, whichever way you prefer. That's how you can get Gators Breakdown. Also, follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at Gators Breakdown. When you're on iTunes, please rate and review the show. Well, um, there's a saying in football, the most popular player on the team is the backup quarterback. So uh, Kyle Trask has yet to take a snap uh, in a game for the Gators. But some fans believe he could be the answer to Florida's quarterback woes. Uh, since spring practice has started, Trask has put himself in position to push Felipe Franks for the starting quarterback job. Uh, now I'm in the camp. I won't bury the lead here. That, that doesn't think Kyle Trask, given his resume, can be a quarterback that that takes Florida to the next level. Is that the goal right now in year one under Dan Mullen? You know, he says he knows the expectations at Florida, but even we know right now the limitations you know this team has going into Mullen's first season. Now, rarely does a player given Kyle Trask's resume even end up at a school like Florida. You know, he was a backup in high school. Uh, the transfer rules in Texas aren't as easy as they are in Florida. You just can't pick up and go where, wherever you want to go. Uh, so it's not like his family could just pick up and leave and put him in another school. He did do some camps, and, and that's where he was noticed by Doug Nussmeyer and Jim McElwain. Uh, but, you know, they were pretty much the only coaches from any major school in the country that saw something in Trask to, to offer him a scholarship. Um, he's been able to play in two spring games. He missed all of last season with an injury. Uh, probably would have earned some playing time given the, the quarterback musical chairs that played out last season. So, Will, on your site, readingreaction.com, you continued your series where you have made a case for each quarterback to be the starter for the 2018 season. This week it was Kyle Trask you looked at and, and had a chance to break down his limited film. In that limited film, did you see enough to say Kyle Trask can push Felipe Frank for the starting quarterback job? Well, limited is right. <laughs> it was slim pickings out there to find stuff, both from high school and from college. I mean, you've got the two spring games that he played here at Florida, and then you've got games where he came in. The two I looked at were games where Manville played Dawson. He came in, it was 42-25, to 25, and he came in against Drake Jesuit. And his team was up 55 to 14. So, so the reality is Trask hasn't played a meaningful snap where his team was even close that I can find in at least six years, like not since middle school. So, so when you talk about resume, there's certainly some things that are lacking in the resume. But his arm strength's really good. Um, he does a lot of the same things that Felipe Franks did from the standpoint of, of – um, sort of pre-snap reads and messing up a few things there. Uh, but he does come from a, a read option offense in high school. So all the ball handling and the sorts of things that you have to do in a Mullen offense, I think is, uh, you know, he's got an advantage on somebody like Franks, who's from a pro style offense, hasn't done a lot of read option plays, was never asked last year to pull the ball out of the running back's belly. Trask on the film from high school runs that very play and runs it in short yardage situations over a couple. There's one play in particular I highlighted on a third and one where he gets the first down, and he got hit before he got the first down. He just sort of put down his head and fell and, and was able to get the first down. It was really 
it was Tebow-esque in that, in that respect. Um, just in that it was a short yardage play and he's a big enough guy. He's like six foot five, two forty. He's a big enough guy. And we've talked a little bit about him being sort of the red zone, the red zone Tebow option with uh with Mullen's offense, and he would work within that framework. So um from the standpoint of experience within the read option offense, that sort of ball handling, I think he can do that, and he's shown that he can do that. Um he did show an ability to get to his second and his third receiver in the high school and the college tape. There were plays in the spring game where he, where the guy on the outside wasn't open, he immediately went to the running back and dumped it off. Um, the things you saw him struggle with were pre-snap reads and and reads after the snap. Frank's, Frank seems to do a better job on the pre-snap reads, um, but once the safeties move or the coverage changes after the snap, they both struggle. Um, one, one thing I think is interesting, and you know, when I looked at Frank's, I looked at his high school tape, and then I looked at his college tape, and I didn't see a whole lot of growth. And I was like, oh, that, that must be on the player. I didn't see a whole lot of growth. But then I looked at Trask in high school, and I looked at Trask in the spring game, and I didn't see a whole lot of growth. And so I think this should actually be comforting to Florida fans. From the standpoint of if none of the quarterbacks were growing, I think that's a reflection on the coach. And so, uh, you know, you mentioned Nussmeyer picking up picking up Trask uh, when no one else was looking at him. Well, you know, Nussmeyer was the coach, doesn't have a very good track record, especially not over the last four or five years. And Mullen certainly has a better one. So, I mean, the the take home from the story was, hey, here's the tape that you can find. He does some things well. He does some things that that are not great it's not any worse or any better than, than Frank's that I can see. There's nothing, there's nothing that jumps out on the tape that says this guy can't be the starter. There's nothing that jumps out on the tape that says that he should definitively be the starter. And so, um, but you know, you'd say the same thing about Frank's. You'd say the same thing about Emory Jones. I um, mean, even say the same thing about Tony considering, uh, that they've got him at wide receiver and they aren't giving him any snaps. So, um, you know, sure. Does he have Does he have an opportunity? I think so. I, mean, I don't think they're the fact that they're giving first team snaps to him and Franks. I think is an indication that that's who they're going to at least start the fall camp with, unless um, unless somebody like Emory Jones makes a real step forward in in the time between the two sets of practices. Yeah, and I also kind of look at it. You know, if we're looking at it as Gator fans and hoping, just hoping we can find a quarterback, and whether it be Franks or Trask, okay, but. You know, if I if I'm looking at a rival school and I'm looking at a two-star recruit who had yet to play a snap in high school, who yet to play in his third year, and coming into you know coming in his to his third year has yet to play a snap, you know, some Gator fans are getting excited to you know maybe it's more anti-Trask or anti-Franks than it is pro-Trask, but you know a lot we some of us have have talked ourselves into him being able to be the guy, but, you know, put yourself in, if you're looking at a rival school who's in this same situation, you're probably laughing that that's the quarterback situation. <laughs> in some capacity. I mean, I, I think, you know, so Trask was behind to Eric King at, at Manville High School, who was like a 390th, I think, ranked rank nationally. But it's turned out to be a very good quarterback at Houston. Mm -hmm. And he's a dual threat, so he fits what Manville wanted to do. So, and player. So if, when you factor that in, you're like, okay, well, you know, of course he's going to be sort of mentioned the transfer rules in Texas and things like that. Um, game, he was incredibly accurate. And he was accurate, and it wasn't dinks and dunks. I mean, it was you know seventy three point four percent his senior year, seventy point six percent his sophomore or his junior year. 
79.2% of his sophomore year and then 80% his freshman year. So he had 73.3% was his overall completion percentage in high school. I mean, again, I, I mentioned this with Tony. It's the same thing. It's very, very difficult to be that accurate when you're not just doing dump offs. If you don't have a skill of being able to find an open guy and going to the right place with the ball. And in Mullen's offense, it's not important to be able to throw the ball 80 yards downfield. It's way more important to throw it in the right direction. You have to identify the guys who the guy who's open. Come off the first read if he's if he's if he's covered. Come off the first read if he's double covered, and go to the second read. Go to the third. Go to the third read. Things like that. And there was an article. Can't remember who wrote it, but they were uh, talking about Brian Johnson mm-hmm. and sort of interviewing him. And he was saying that Trask was doing a very good job getting to his third progression within the story. And I'm not sure we saw anybody get to the third progression last year <laughs> as a Gators quarterback. Now, part of that was that they were getting sacked before they could get to their third progression, but but a lot of that was just locking onto the first or the second receiver. So. Um, you know, I, I I hedge a lot here because there isn't a lot of tape, mm-hmm. but all the tape looks good. And so, you know, I do wonder that if King hadn't been at Manville, would Trask have been a three-star or a four-star four-star quarterback? He very well may have been because his skill set seems to indicate someone who's better than a two-star prospect. And he was just a two-star because everyone else is having the same problem I am. There's nothing. There's nothing analytically to evaluate. You can't look at the film and go, oh, he played great in this game where King was hurt and he yeah. came in and he went 22 of 28. Like there isn't anything like that. The, the best he did was he had a three of three for 139 yards against Pasadena mm-hmm. Memorial. And he went nine of 12 for 138 yards against Doby. And I think they won by like 70 points in that game. So uh, the nice part is, is that the quarterback or the coach for Manville never let off the gas. So they were chucking the ball even when they were up 50, <laughs> which is the only reason he has any film at all. <laughs> so so I, I think you're right, Dave. I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, there needs to be an upgrade of talent at the position. I think Emory Jones is the start of that. I think I think Emory Jones is the future of the position at Florida, yeah. at least right now. And so if it's close between Jones, Trask, and Franks, I think you have to go with Jones. Now, it doesn't look like it's close right now. And so if it's not close, well, Franks needs somebody to push him. Yep. He, can't, he, he can't just give him the job at this point, um, especially in the spring. And I think we'll find out in the fall – how close Trask really is. I think in the fall, if it's still a battle, then that's indicative that, well, it's indicative that they're close. It's not indicative that they're both good. (laughs) It it may be indicative that they're both struggling, but it means that it's close. If in the fall, Franks is really taking the majority of the snaps, then I think this was more of a, hey, he needs somebody to push him. Let's put the guy who's the most advanced um, along the way to push him. Yeah, I don't want to speak for you, Will, but I, I would say right now it's right now probably Felipe Frank's job to lose. Uh, you know, I, I still believe, and it's evident by him basically being labeled as quarterback one right now. Um, and you know that Kyle Trask or whoever it be would have to beat him for that job. I, it is a competition, but I think it's a competition where Frank's has to lose the competition. You know, I, I'm not sure. I, I think I think Franks has all the tools. I just think that's I, the way it stands right now. I mean, it may not eventually, but I think if you know, we're looking at the second week of spring practice. I just think that's the way it looks right now. Well, sure. And and you know, I said this a couple of weeks ago, which is that Franks has all the tools from an arm strength perspective, from an ability to make all the throws. Um, he seems to be really taking a leadership mantle. He was voted a captain on the team, all that sort of stuff. Um, he's just not real accurate. 
and hasn't been historically. And so that's where my concern comes in is that caps his ceiling. If he was accurate in high school and he had a bad year last year, I'd come back and say, well, you know, Matthew Stafford did the same thing. But Franks hasn't been accurate in the past. And Mullen keeps saying his quarterbacks need to be accurate. So we're going to find out whether that's really what he believes <laughs> because <laughs> Franks, 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 I think can be a very good quarterback in the system. I don't think he's going to be elite. I think he'll be very good at, you know, I think that's sort of the ceiling is a quarterback rating somewhere between 135 and 145, which is very, very good. It's you can score 30 to 35 points a game with a quarterback at that level. You're not going to score 45 a game with a quarterback at that level, but you can score 30 to 35. And to be honest, if Florida scores 30 points a game, I think everyone's going to be ecstatic. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think Frank's it's it's his job to lose because he's got all the experience. They brought yeah, him yeah. in. He's got the yeah. tools. And I do think there's an ego thing here. And I think if all things are equal, you gotta figure Mullen wants to show the fan base what coaching like what kind of difference coaching <laughs> make. And from a recruiting perspective, right? You walk in there and say, Look at him the year before I got there, look at him the year after I got there. Don't you want to come play for me? I mean, yeah. I, I'd want to do. I'd want to do it too if I'm a coach, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, and if you've got a big ego and you think, hey, this guy's got a huge arm, can I harness his skills? If I, I can harness his skills, then he's going to be outstanding. I just, I, to me, the accuracy skill is more important than the arm strength skill. But that's my personal opinion, and that's not everybody's opinion. And, and we'll see who's right, I guess. You know, and, and another factor that plays into this, and you know, uh, we can get into it too, is you know the running part of, of the offense. We haven't been able to see a lot of that with the way spring practice has kind of been structured so far. A lot of you know the open parts of practice, they're still working on installation of the offense, and you know you haven't seen Emory Jones. You've seen him use his legs a, a little bit, but you know, there hasn't been a lot of quarterback design runs for Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask or anybody like that right now. So I think you may see or not see it, but I think it may happen with these practices upcoming being closed. You won't be around it, and I was just told today that the media will be available uh, to for part of the scrimmage or maybe the whole scrimmage on Friday. So you know, we'll get some word of what happens there, but they're going to do a full team scrimmage, uh, I believe, on Friday in the swamp. So we'll get some word about that since media is, will be allowed there. But you also, you know, that, that's going to play another part in this. And, you know, Franks and, and Trask, I think you know, they both have size. They're both pretty big. I think you could say Trask is a little stalkier, a little a thicker build. Uh, but you know, I don't, as far as speed goes, I don't know if one is really faster than the other. I have to go back and look. I know there's a tweet that I'll, I'll mention here uh, later that doesn't mean that does say that Trask isn't very fast, uh, but, you know, is he fast enough or, or can he make the right reads? Can And you kind of spoke to it in your article and all that. Can you read the defensive end? You know, a lot of that's going to be determinative uh, when they make plays with their legs. So that's one part we haven't got to see yet. I don't know how much we get to see in the spring game itself. You know, they're going to have protection on, they're going to have a red jersey on uh, not to get hit. Uh, but, you know, I, I, that's, that's just another part of the offense. We won't really get to see – and we haven't got to see in practice so far. We won't get to see because practices are closed, and I don't know how much we'll get to see in the spring game. Yeah. So if you look at Trask in high school, you wouldn't you would say he's not he's not a running quarterback. So he had 18 attempts for 49 yards his senior year, 25 for negative 16 his junior year, 15 for negative 11 his sophomore year, and five for negative 16 his freshman year. So 
he ain't breaking any 80 yard runs. <laughs> <laughs> now the, the, there were two plays I highlighted where he was running in the article. The first one was where he was running a read option that it was third and one, the defensive end collapsed and he took it around. He, he pulled the ball out of the running back's belly and went around the end and was able to get a first down. That's a staple of Mullen's offense. That's something that he does a lot. And it's something he does a lot in the red zone because you know he uses his quarterback a lot. We've talked about that a lot, especially since um, Dak Prescott and Fitzgerald came into the fold. He's really, you know, more than 10 rushing touchdowns for each of those quarterbacks. Um, but there's also another gif in the article where Trask is flushed out of the pocket. And when he is, he has an opportunity to beat the safety to the corner and he just doesn't do it. So he doesn't have breakaway speed. I don't think anyone should be surprised when he gets caught <laughs> when he's out there running. Um, he's not immobile. I mean, he, he, he moved around in the pocket really well. He showed good pro pocket presence. He got popped a couple of times and he stepped into the throw. Those were some things that I don't think we saw last year much at all from any of the Florida quarterbacks. So the willingness to stand in the pocket and take a hit, I think was kind of impressive. Um, but I think anybody thinking he's going to be Nick Fitzgerald, that that's not what he is. Mm, yeah. He is he is third and two. You have to respect the fact that he might pull the ball in a read option scenario. Whereas last year, nobody respected that the Florida quarterback would pull the ball in a read option scenario. And I think that's going to happen with any Mullen quarterback. I mean, I think even though you and I scream for it, Will, even though you and I scream. <laughs> well, Bill was going nuts. I mean, he's he's the one who was really screaming for it. But we all we all saw it on the back end. We saw the guy open. Now, one of the reasons the back end was open was they never did it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you never do it, no one has to prepare. But you know, I, I would say even if Mullen had Dan Marino back there, he would make him on third and one, make him respect <laughs> that play. I mean, there's yeah. just, you know, Dan Marino after the Achilles accident, Achilles tear where he was hobbling around back there. I mean, you know, Mullen would still make his quarterback do that. And so I think you're going to see that with anybody. I think the experience in the ball handling is real. Like that does make a difference. Those turnovers kill you. And so, you know, if, if Franks can't pick that up or if he struggles with that sort of stuff, I mean, I can see a conservative path being put the guy back there who does the ball handling correctly, gets the ball in the right place. Is he spectacular? Maybe not, especially through the air. But can he manage the game, get you down the field and, and exploit things in the red zone? I think he can. Um, I, I think the, 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 the reality that we're seeing here is that there's nobody at quarterback who is just popping out as special. And so we're going to have to make do this year with a quarterback who has limitations and whether those limitations are experience with Emory Jones or whether those limitations are accuracy with Felipe Franks or whether they're limitations of experience and you know, ability. We don't know with Trask. Um, you know, the only, the only one I would say doesn't have those limitations. They've got playing wide receiver. So uh, you know, it is what it is. I, th I think we're going to have to understand there are going to be limitations of quarterback regardless of who's out there. And and that's just the way it is. And it's only two weeks into spring practice too. So, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, there is a, a spark that can, uh, you know, that, that can, that can be lit and, and these guys get it going. Um, I don't think we, that we think, and, and you said it, we don't think there's anybody who could be elite in this offense, but maybe get the job done and hand over the torch to, to Emory Jones when, when he's ready to go. Um, quarterback Brian Johnson on Monday talked to reporters uh, about Franks and Trask when discussing Franks, quote, he had a great winter conditioning and put himself in the position to where he could come out and handle the install and stay ahead of the install and come out here and have a seamless transition on the practice field. I think it was either practice two or three. He made a throw, and I remember just 
I looked over at head coach Dan Mullen. We just kind of both looked at each other, shook our heads. It was a pretty impressive throw. And look, that's what you're going to get with Felipe Franks. We we saw it against Tennessee last year. You saw the the bomb to Tyree Cleveland. I don't think the 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 big play down the field is not going to be Felipe Franks' uh, weakness. It's going to be can you convert third and six? Can you convert third and eight when you have to? Can you can you but make a pass when you really need to that can that that keeps the chains moving. It's not the big play. It's the it, it's the keep drives alive play that eats Felipe Franks alive. Well, this is where the analytics guy in me, I think, really, really starts to bristle a little bit is that, yes, the guy makes an impressive throw. When you watch his tape last year, he makes across-the-hash throws that are NFL-quality throws, and they're right on the numbers, and it's a perfect throw, and you're like, wow, if he could do that all the time, he'd be great. (laughs) And so therein lies the issue. Can he do it all the time? Because if he can't do it all the time, it doesn't matter if you can do it once. And so that really is the core of analytics. I mean, the core of analytics is saying, what's the most probable outcome based on what I know about what's already happened? And based on what we know about what's already happened is he's not likely to be consistent to do those sorts of things. But it's also why I think he's going to win the job because these guys may chart the throws, they may do all that sort of stuff, but they also look at him and go, wow, if we can get him to do that consistently, we're going to really have something. And the question is, is that inherent or is it teachable? And I think most coaches believe it's teachable, and a lot of guys like me think it's not. Um, I wrote an article for SEC Country last year before the season even started talking about this, that that the the 12-yard out is the thing we need to be looking for. Like, who's the guy who can move the chains? And you need to make big plays, and that's really critical too. But you get more opportunities to make big plays if you can convert that third and four, if you can convert that third and seven, if you can extend a play with your legs and do sorts of things like that. And so we didn't see that last year. You know, we'll see whether Mullen's offense simplifies things to a point where they can be more effective in these in these situations. But you know, the success of the offense, I don't think, is going to come down to the quarterback play. Um, I don't. I don't think it's going to come down to one quarterback being that much better than another one. I think the success of the offense is going to be the running game and the offensive line and the kind of progression that Mullen can provide there. Yeah, I mean, and, and that can make it easier on the quarterback as, as well if that, that offensive line and run game can get going. Uh, definitely will make it easier there. Uh, continue on what Brian Johnson had to say. We'll move on to what he had to say about Kyle Trask. He was impressed with him and kind of going back to what you said, Will, when the, when the story came out. Uh, in even more detail here uh, about that one play where he read to his third progression. Uh, he pinpointed that one play, and he, he threw off of a play-action pass. Well, this is the quote here. He threw off a play-action pass, and it was a great read. He got to his number three read in his progression and put it right on the guy in stride for a touchdown. So, you know, I don't think many of us have questions Trav's physical abilities uh, as much. I just don't think we've seen enough to really determine one way or the other. Uh, but the question remains, of course, and how we let off with this is, can he do it uh, in live bullet flying situations? And that's where I think the argument really becomes more anti-Franks than it does pro-Trask. At this point, I won't, I won't buy the argument that Trask should be the guy based on because he's better than Franks. I haven't seen enough to say that. But I think where people want to give Trask a nod over Franks is because they think there is no hope based on what we've already seen from Felipe Franks. I think that's probably true. I, I think some of the things you do see on the film with Trask, I already mentioned that he took some real pops and and was willing to stand in and make the throw and step into the throw, and he didn't look rattled, and he, and he made the throw. 
And so those are things that, you know, we saw Franks get spooked by ghosts last year a little bit after there was some pressure, after there were some interceptions. Now, you know, again, <laughs> when you're playing Texas A&M, it's a lot more difficult to do that than when you're playing, you know, than when you're playing Dawson High School and, and you're up and, by, and, and you're up by 50 points. Yeah, in a third string defensive end. Then. <laughs> wow. And and so again, I, I think all of this stuff comes with a caveat. The other thing I think we should mention is that for the last three years, we've heard nothing but great things about how great the quarterbacks are playing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Treon Harris was playing well during the spring. Um, Austin Appleby was lighting it up a couple of years ago. And well, Luke you know, Del Rio had the 13 or 14 spring game, and we all oh, got excited. Well, all that stuff, right? And, and I, think, I, I think we need to look at process here. And not so somebody asked me privately whether I thought that Mullen was going to bring in a grad transfer. And I just sort of said, well, you know, if he's going to bring in a grad transfer, he ought to just bring in, he ought to just let, let Jones play. <laughs> I mean, if, you know, if, if the goal is to build a program here, well, then what you really need to do is one of these quarterbacks needs to develop. And, and that's what they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to do that. I don't think they'll go the grad transfer route. If they do, I think it's a really bad sign. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. I, I there's not enough evidence out there to make a call either way. And, you know, one of the goals of this whole series has been to allow people to look at the tape and say, what does somebody do well? What do they do poorly? And I think what they're going to find is when they look at this, when they look at the whole totality of all of the different articles they've put together, you can make an argument for just about anybody because none of them stand out as being, as being can't miss prospects and none of them stand out as being complete flops. It's just, okay, Franks does things a little bit better here, a little bit worse here. Trask does things. It seems like a little bit better here, a little bit worse here. And that's really what Mullen's going to have to decipher is what does he think is most important and who can execute his offense the best based on the skills that each of them has. Well, it's funny because I, I got thinking, you know, now this time a year ago, I was screaming for Felipe Franks and I had yet to see anything from him. <laughs> so, you know, except for spring football performances. But, you know, I, it was my thought that Luke Doria was never going to take Florida anywhere. And I had seen enough from Malik Zaire to know that he couldn't be the guy in a system and coaches that wouldn't cater to him. And, you know, you and I talked at length uh, about that. So now maybe I'm giving Franks the benefit of the doubt here for, you know, when I go back and look at what I was saying last year about him, if there's not enough, you know, there's, there's no tape, but I wanted him to be the guy anyway. But I'd like to see if Mullen can get something out of him. Yeah, well, you know, I, I looked at a lot of these same things last year, and I came to the conclusion that Del Rio needed to be the guy who was going to start yeah. <laughs> if, if they didn't start Tony because of the completion percentages and all those sorts of things. And there isn't somebody like Del Rio sitting on the bench with those sorts of completion percentages unless you talk about Trask. And and I think that's why people gravitate towards that. There, it, it's Trask has a tantalizing record because he hasn't played a whole lot. Right. Uh, but it's also hard to decipher because he hasn't played a whole lot. Um, Frank's played quite a bit in high school, played a lot last year, obviously. And mm -hmm. so we've got this track record that really sort of matches what we would expect. Now, I will caution people. I think Frank's will be better this year just based on a lot of different things. I mean, last year he lost he lost Antonio Callaway for the entire season. He lost Jordan Scarlett for the entire season. So and, Tyree Cleveland was, and Tyree Cleveland was hardly healthy. When I was going there. So Tyree, <laughs> okay. Cleveland, Tyree Cleveland got injured after the Missouri game. And then Kadarius Tony got injured along the way. Malik Davis got injured along the way. So all the weapons got injured by the time we got to Georgia and Missouri. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that the performance of Franks went down at that point. He was carrying an offense that just didn't have the same firepower that it did earlier in the year. Now, 
the coaches certainly could have helped with a lot of adjustments that they didn't make. And those were some of the things that we were screaming about. At the same time, I think it's a legitimate thing to say, hey, when you've when you're missing your two best wide receivers and your best running back and the best running back you found throughout the year, you know, you're going to struggle offensively. And, and I think we saw that. And then the other thing we saw is that when a mistake was made, he would sort of go into a shell. And And I do think that's coaching. I think, you know, Either he was afraid to make a mistake because they were going to yank him, which I think is legitimate because they did, or you know that's just something that happens to him. And so we'll see what happens this year if he starts, whether that happens. The nice part about Trask is, you know, like I said, he he took it in the chops a few times and and, and got back up and, and made the throw and stepped into it. I, I think from a personality standpoint, he'll be able to take those hits and 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 is going to be able to let it fly. Certainly, anybody who has the um, Anybody who has the personality where they'd stick out four years behind somebody and not ever actually play in high school, like, you know, part of me wants to say, well, why didn't you go play someplace else? I mean, you know, you could have figured out a way to go play someplace (laughs) else. But part of me also sort of admires it that you're sitting there saying, hey, I'm going to try to beat this guy out every year. And if I can't beat him out, well, hey, I'll tip my hat to him and I'll be a good backup and I'll be a good teammate. And, you know, Trask is going to get a shot at some point this year because the offensive line may improve dramatically but someone is still going to get a helmet in the back. <laughs> and so, and, and at some point I think Trask is going to have to come into a game and you're going to need him to be a, be at least a capable backup. And I think he can do that. Well, that leads to the, the poll question I've uh, posed, Will. And this was kind of explaining along what you just said. And barring an injury to Felipe Franks, do you see Kyle Trask starting a game in the 2018 season? Well, this is starting a game. So of course, you know, you, you just said coming in when somebody gets hurt. Uh, but I said, I wanted to go with starting a game in the 2018 season. Out of 1,200 votes, 59% said no, that he would not start a game. 41% said yes, he would. And I got a lot of feedback from uh, that that poll question. Uh, Miguel Leach, I hope I said his name right there. Uh, he says, game one would be similar to Max game one. Play both Franks and Trask a similar amount of snaps. Let it play to see who controls the real game setting. Emery will be a huge factor as a curveball. Uh, type of option, maybe not show him and save him for the Kentucky game. Uh, he's asking that as a question, Will. So uh, basically, you know, Franks and Trask, he says play game one, but would you save Emory Jones and maybe not show him for the Kentucky and until the Kentucky game? And that would be week two. No, I, I think if, if you want Jones to be in there, you get him in games when they're, when it's not high leverage to bring him into a high leverage situation. When you're, when you're playing an sec opponent and that's his first snap, I don't think is the way you want to go. I think you want to get his feet wet early on. Um, you know, I don't think Florida's going 11 and one this year. I don't think they're going to the sugar bowl. Right. Um, I think they, they might, they'll be a much better team. I think they might be a really good team depending upon what happens with the defense. I don't think they're going to the sugar bowl. So I don't know that you necessarily need to save something for, mm-hmm. for, for a game. Now maybe you save a couple of formations and things like that for a rivalry game. But I think if you've got a young guy, a true freshman that you're going to get on the field, you got to get him on the field against Charleston Southern. I don't think you put him on the field for the first time against Kentucky. Um, no, a quarterback dive is a quarterback dive. So <laughs> in some capacity, but you know, if if your hands are shaking, the stadium's loud. No, I, I meant for like somebody preparing for it. Yeah. In, 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 in opposition. Well, I mean, I don't think they should run a double reverse right. where Tony throws the ball across his body 50 yards downfield against Charleston Southern. But if you've got a if you've got a wildcat package for Tony, I think you show that against Charleston Southern. I mean, I, I think for the most part, 
defenses will be able to adjust to that sort of thing. What showing it before the game means is that they actually have to prepare for it. So they have a limited amount of time to prepare. And then you have the option of either using it or not using it, depending upon what's going on in the game. So if you take them away from preparing for Franks or Trask, if that guy's the starter, well, then that's that's time well. That's time they've wasted. Um, but no, I, I think you get him in there. If, if, if Jones is ready to play, he needs to be in the game. Even if it's the short yardage runner, sort of the Tebow role that Mullen had with, with Tebow's freshman year, if he's ready to play, you play him. And if he's not ready to play, you don't. I don't think you sort of eke him in. I mean, you can always bring him in later in the year as he becomes ready. Yeah. But but I think it's, I don't know if, like you said, a dive's a dive. So, <laughs> so if he's got a if he's got a defined package, I think that package shows up game one. Gotcha, uh, Jaquan Myron, because uh, I personally think that Felipe would be the day one starter. If he will, if he would get injured, I think Emory would become the starter for the rest of the season and just let Emory get the experience. Uh, kind of what you spoke on earlier. Uh, Jefferson DeVoe, I'm hearing great things about Trask, and I've seen Felipe Franks. He has more to prove to me, to be honest. But I also trust Dan Mullen and couldn't say that for McIlwain. Um, Unbiased UF at UF Jumpman. Uh, people calling for Trask have no logical explanation for doing so. High school tape, question mark, fourth corner cleanup. Collegiate tape has none. Orange and blue game looked terrible. One of 129 FBS head coaches offered him that one is now a wide receiver coach at Michigan. The power of I heard is strong in a curious case of Trask. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Tell us how you really feel. Uh, uh, Kay Goodman, uh, if Fink struggles, they will move on to Emory. Trask may get playing time, but starting will be tough. I just don't see it right now. Uh, Logo carries weight. Low-key 850 says, I believe Franks will have a short lease if he starts out like he finished last season. So I said yes. Uh, Joseph Stasio at JSTAS93, dude 6'4", 230. He looks the role of Tim Tebow and Dak Prescott. He just needs to play like it, and I'm on board. He's not the fastest, but a more pleasant run to watch than Frank's. Dustin Woolbright says, I don't see it happening. He ran a spread in high school and set the bench, so I'm not sure why people feel he will win out now. However, Mullen took Nick Fitzgerald, who only other offer was a quarterback as a quarterback was Middle Tennessee. And had him a viable SEC starting quarterback, so I could be wrong. Uh, unbiased UF jumped back in. With uh, on top of that, are the people who are saying Trask is a better fit for Dan Mullen's system aware that at the opening Nike Regionals in Dallas, his best forty time was a five point one two. Stop the nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Again, tell us how you really feel. Uh, so, well, he he was offering to come on and, and debate yeah. the others. This anyway, because I, I think people think that when I write these the case for articles that I'm actually advocating for one person or another. And really, the goal is, you know, if I were advocating, this is what I would say. But obviously, you have to put some of the weaknesses in there too. Um, yeah, and, and, and you've done this as a series. I had to point that out to people. Like you just didn't point to one quarterback. You know, you've done this as a series for all the quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, every everybody likes to everybody likes to retweet their one for the uh, for the quarterback that they think is the best. The nice part is is that three months from now I'll be able to point back to the article that says, "Hey, see, I told you that this guy would be the guy who would who would win the job." So and I retweet it and say, "Here's the other four. <laughs> well, I'm glad you won't let me get away with it, but. I, I, I think the forty time is is irrelevant for what he's going to be asked to do within within Mullen's offense. I, I think the third and one is where you can expect that read option. I don't think you're going to be having him do it on third and eight. Thank God. And 
you know, if he's in there, he's going to be chucking it on third and eight. So the 40 time doesn't matter. And if, he, if it's third and one, he doesn't need speed to, to turn it into anything. He needs 240 pounds to be able to take on the linebacker and get the first down. So, um, but I think Frank's is sort of in the same boat, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's big enough. Um, it's, it's distributed a little bit differently, but he's big enough that if he can, if he can read the defensive end as quickly as, as he needs to, then he'll be able to execute the same play. A few more here since I've got a lot of feedback from this. Uh, Robert Gwynn, uh, at Robert Gwynn, 117. I voted yes, but I don't know how much command slash leadership Trask will have. I said yes because I think he will throw about the same as Frank's, but his legs will give him the edge. Uh, Maverick at uh, LMII23. I'm just happy that Trask gets a fair shake with a clean slate. No coaching politics involved. If he beats out Franks, then great. If he loses, okay. At least he gets a shot. I like his abilities and think he could be a better fit for Mullen's offense. And Will, you and I talked about this. And, you know, when I, I brought up Trask a couple weeks ago, uh, I think right around when spring practice started and a lot of quarterback talk was flo- floating around. And did have somebody reach out to me that, that was kind of close to the program uh, last year that said Trask did look good at, at, at times and should have been given more of a fair shot from the previous staff. Uh, there, so you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, that 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 did come pretty close uh, from somebody who, who who would know. So, you know, there 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 is the thought that even people who are close to the program that that trash should have been given a shot. Well, I mean, you know, Frank's quarterback rating last year was like 113. It was it was like 150. 15th or something out of 128 qualified quarterbacks. I don't remember exactly where it ranked, but it, it was not good. And so it's not a surprise that people see that and say, oh God, we don't want that again. It's also not a surprise that somebody would see that and say, well, surely the guy behind him wouldn't have been, couldn't have been, wouldn't have been that bad. Um, you know, by the time it became apparent that maybe they might need Trask, he was injured. And so mm-hmm. he wasn't able to come in there. Now, you know, would he have come in against Michigan? I don't know if there were enough snaps to go around last year <laughs> that Trask would have been able to come in. I mean, you know, they had Zaire coming in. They were trying to force feed him the offense. They had they had Franks. They had Del Rio. They had all those guys. They brought they brought in Zaire in the first game. He looked completely unprepared. And then they're like, oh, we're just not going to let you play again for like the next eight, eight weeks. And it's like, so... I think the things we need to be looking for from Molinar, does he have a plan for how he's going to establish this quarterback, uh, yeah. this quarterback battle? Not, you know, at some point, I think it's actually a good thing that he zeroed in on two guys right now who are getting the majority of the first team snaps. And I know you expressed some concern about three guys getting the snaps last year in camp, and it turned out to be <laughs> turned out to be a, a really big concern because none of them looked ready to play. The only one who looked reasonably ready was Del Rio, and obviously he couldn't stay healthy. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens in the fall, but I think process – for Mullen and something we should have learned from McElwain era is that it's a good thing if he limits it to two people in the battle in the fall. And if Emory Jones isn't, doesn't show enough progress to get into that battle. All right, that's fine. We're going to, we're going to redshirt you. And if, if Trask drops out because he doesn't play well enough and Emory Jones gets into that battle, okay, well, that's fine, but we're not going to let you win your way back in. Um, and so hopefully that's what happens is that the guy who, you know, hopefully by the time the fall comes around, they say, hey, this is going to be our guy. We're going to give him all the first team snaps. We're going to make it clear he's our guy, and we're going to prepare the backup to be the backup 
because if Florida history says anything, it's that we're going to need a backup quarterback <laughs> this year. Not necessarily because of performance. I mean, most of the quarterback changes over the past eight years have been because of injuries. So that, that's why I worded the poll question that way because I agree. If if we're if we're going by history, then absolutely more than likely, even if Franks does start, a trash will probably get some playing time because of injury. Uh, well, and that yeah. is that is the one thing I do believe from spring practice is everybody seems to be saying that the offensive line is overmatched with the defensive line. Um, and that is something I believe because that's what we saw last year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if the offensive line still struggles, um, it's going to be hard no matter what, no matter who the quarterback is. If, the, if they can't get a running game established and they can't be physical up front, we're going to be disappointed by the quarterback's <laughs> performance regardless. And I'm not sure it'll be his fault. Not, yeah. I think that's also something we need to say to be fair to Franks is last year was a system failure. You go back and you look at the tape and you're like, wow, that route tree didn't make any sense. And, you know, why was he trying to do that against that defense? And, you know, but then you see things where he like ran out of bounds eight yards behind the line of scrimmage instead of just throwing the ball away and go, hey, okay, that, well, that's on the quarterback. That's so that's the other side of the argument that people love to use. <laughs> Uh, you know, and again, I think this goes back to sort of Mullen's recruiting. If I'm him, I want Franks to win the job because I want to be able to say, look at what I did yep. and tell that to the next recruit and say, look, this is what you get with a normal head coach. This is what you get with me and and come play at Florida. I'll get you into the NFL. So the, the old Mac versus PC commercials. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, uh, the continue Mavericks thought there because I just don't buy that. It kind of go into your thought here. I just don't buy that Frank struggled because of the coaches. He never even had a half of football where he did a lot of good things. He struggled continuously or continually. Will Greer had the same staff limitations, but managed to show a lot of promise and upside. Franks never did that. Uh, Louis Besson at Lepa Granta, Lepa Granada. A couple more thoughts here, and that's it. Uh, since all quarterbacks are new to Mullen's system, naive to think Felipe Franks, despite playing majority of last year, won't make several mistakes. Don't feel Mullen will allow Felipe Franks' confidence to be pummeled, as Mac did. I see, as someone said previously, short leashes for all quarterbacks in first half of last year. And then Kevin Harris sent this to us, and uh, she quoted uh, – this was from a Zach Elberverde article where he talks to Felipe Franks – or uh, Kyle Trask, high school coach – uh, and, he, and she says the glaring point is how his high school coach describes him. Their system sounds like Mullen. So if he wasn't a fit in high school, he suddenly is in college. I'd like Trask Kent to explain that to me. And the quote was from that uh, article. Everybody talks about Kyle being a backup and I never viewed him that way. Uh, Martin said that's his head coach. Uh, Derek was just so electric with the ball in his hands that it was hard to take him out. We run a wide open spread offense with a lot of zone reads and quarterback runs that Kyle couldn't do. He's a truly pro style quarterback. He can run now, but he's not a full four guy like Derek. He's one of the fastest track athletes in Texas. So he was just the best fit for what we do. Yeah, I think, I think that's what we're saying. He's he's not, he's not going to be Emory Jones out there. He's not even going to be Will Greer. And I, I I do think it's worth going back to that and saying, okay, Will Greer didn't look overmatched. Well, Will Greer was a damn good quarterback coming yeah. out of high school. I mean, his senior year, he threw 446 passes and had a 70.4% completion percentage. He completed over 70% of his passes in 1,264 attempts in high school. And he ran for 1,251 yards his senior year in high school. So, you know, I think we could see that Greer was a very, very good player. 
And I think at West Virginia, we're seeing he's a very, very good player. And he might still be the quarterback at Florida. McIlwain might be much more in our good graces at Chris State here. <laughs> but he didn't. And the problem with the McIlwain regime is that they didn't have anybody else on the recruiting ledger coming in after after Greer. So Greer Greer leaves because of the suspension. Treon Harris isn't a very good fit for what, for what Nussmeyer wants to do. Um, They've got Appleby as a grad transfer. Zaire is a grad transfer. I think we talked about Zaire being a bad fit for what they wanted to do anyway, so it was kind of unclear why they were bringing him in. They bring in Franks, who's not a high-accuracy quarterback, certainly very, very good physical tools, but not high-accuracy, and he struggles. Again, I think we need to go back to process and just say that the reason Greer looked the best is he's the best quarterback. And so the question becomes – did he really look that great? Because if you look at his stats at Florida, they were okay. Mm-hmm. But the defense was really carrying that team. And you wonder if they had been running an offense more like West Virginia's at the time, would it have been lighting it up even more? So, um, you know, I, I am I am not low on Trask. I'm not high on him. I'm just sort of lukewarm. And I, th- But I think there are some signs he might be able to be successful. I think tra- or I think Frank's really sort of put in the season last year that we probably should have expected. I think he'll be a little bit better this year if he starts, but I don't think he's going to be. I, I don't think he's going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. I don't think he's going to be All SEC. I don't think that's his ceiling, and so we just have to understand that going in. And I will say one thing: there have been a lot of people on Twitter, especially, who've talked about you know the mental aptitude to do things. Um, and and some of the limitations that Franks may have. I I don't necessarily see that. I I don't think that you can make broad generalizations about his ability to process defenses and different things like that, especially within the offense that Florida was running last Mm -hmm. year. I I, I don't think they prepared him very well. I don't think the offense was designed for him. I think they sort of stuck him in Del Rio's offense and said, go. Um, and, and so, and that, and, can I, affect, and, I, and that can affect everything. You know, it could, while you may be good at one point, when it could be a chain reaction. You know, you, if you're not a fit, you know, even the things you do well can start going bad. Yeah, and and I will say, I was I was pleasantly surprised by his ability to go to the right place with the ball when the pre-snap read told him to go that direction. The places he struggled was when the defense changed after the snap. Or when he had made a mistake and you could sort of see him get a little bit he, – he started to be late with the ball because he was questioning whether he was doing the right thing or not. And I don't think that's a ability to grasp the offense. I think that's a confidence thing. And if there's one thing that Mullen has showed us over the last six months, it's that his players aren't going to lack confidence. He might yank him out of there, but he's going to make sure that they know – you know they're going full tilt if they're in there because if they're not, somebody else is going to be in there. So I, I think there's going to be a very different attitude behind center this year, and I think that may really bode well for Franks. Again, I don't think he's going to be all SEC, but I don't know that he needs to be all SEC for the offense to not look putrid. And I mean, last year it was just so frustrating. The last three years it's been so frustrating, um, and and just a little bit of a break for the defense might really make a difference. And going to a position that could help uh, these quarterbacks, Will. Uh, a lot of wide receiver talk uh, as well, you know, especially Billy Gonzalez's coaching. Uh, footwork's been a big deal here. If you watch practice and especially footwork early in routes, uh, finding out ways to beat your man early, beat some press coverage early, uh, it really looked lacking. Uh, we, you know, we, we talked a couple weeks ago about how these wide receivers have been highly touted but never really have lived up to the expectation uh, and, and we saw, and, and 
the way the lazy running routes and stuff. I don't think that's going to be a, a big problem from what we see so far in the Gonzalez, you know, from what we've seen can gleam in spring practice and, and, and if what we hear is to be believed. Uh, but, you know, Thomas Goldcamp was our, our guest last week and out on Monday, he tweeted that Van Jefferson, and this is the quote from Thomas, clear standout at the position. I've been saying, I think he might be the best player on the field on either side. You know, and Thomas said last week on, on the podcast that he hasn't seen a wide receiver take over like this since Antonio Callaway uh, was on the field. So you know, if Van Jefferson can be anything like Florida was getting at, out of Antonio Callaway and being able to be a home run threat, be able to score when you're anywhere on the field, then that will go a long way in helping whoever the quarterback is. Oh, wow. It'd, it'd be nice to have a Callaway back there. So. <laughs> But, you know, you look at Callaway's freshman season, which I think we all remember as explosive. He had 35, so he averaged 19 yards a, a reception. And if you look at Van Jefferson, his freshman year, he had 49 catches for 543 yards. So he only averaged 11.1 yards per reception. And last year, he averaged 10.9. So the comparisons from the standpoint of he's getting open, he's running right routes, those sorts of things may be apt from an explosion standpoint. It, it, it's not close. Yeah. Um, I, I think anybody expecting Antonio Callaway from Van Jefferson is probably expecting too much. However, with that said, if you look at somebody like Brandon Powell over the last two years, he's had 45 and 42 catches. He averaged 8.6 yards per catch in, in 2016 and then 9.7 in 2017. It was certainly the focal point of the offense last year, especially after some of the guys went down. Um, and Jefferson's better than that. Yeah, I so, think that's, I think you know, that's your I, base. Yeah, I mean, I really think you're looking at somebody who's probably a bigger and more athletic version of Brandon Powell. And so a lot of those third and sixes that we were talking about to keep the drives going are things where Jefferson might be a place that they go. Um, but, you know, from a footwork perspective, if Tyree Cleveland can harness the talent that he's got, um, he could really take a big step forward. I mean, he and averaged, get healthy, by the way. <laughs> well, that too. But, you know, he averaged 21 yards per catch his freshman year. He averaged 19 last year. Certainly, we all remember the catches against LSU two years ago and the catch against Tennessee last year. But, you know, he is he is the deep threat, and there was no deep threat once he went out last year. You look at somebody like Josh Hammond. He averaged 12.6 yards per catch, 14 catches his freshman year, 13.7 last year. So when he was open and the quarterback got it to him, it was a pretty decent throw down the field, certainly much further than Powell, though Powell was running a lot of bubble screens and, and different things like that. So um, certainly I think Jefferson is going to be, especially uh, assuming that he's able to play, and I think we all expect him to be able to play. Assuming he can play, Jefferson's going to be a big part of the offense. Um, the one thing I would say is if you look at Powell, his freshman season, he caught 15 passes. Sophomore season, caught 29. If you look at Jefferson, 49 his freshman season, 42 his sophomore season. Powell jumped up to 45 his junior season. So if Jefferson shows that same sort of maturity and same sort of jump between his sophomore and junior year, you could you could see a guy who catches 65, 70 balls, which is really significant. And Hey, if he has that kind of improvement, then we're all going to be very pleased. But again, I, I don't think we're looking at a guy who's going to take a bubble screen and take it 80 yards. I think we're looking at a guy who's going to help on, you know, third and eight. You'll be able to yeah. convert the first down. Yeah, of course, you know, one guy we haven't got to see um, in spring, of course, is when Jacob Copeland gets on the field uh, in late summer for fall camp there. So uh, another name. Uh, Trayvon Grimes, you know, has apparently been coming on lately as well uh, in spring. Um, nobody knows if he'll be available or not. So. The, your wide receiver core can look like it's looking right now in spring if those guys get eligible, but uh, that we just 
do not know yet. Will? Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I think I think the one thing that you're really, I mean, to me, Tony is the difference maker here. Yeah. So if, if you've got Tony in the slot in that Powell role, you got Jefferson outside who seems tall enough that he's going to be able to maybe go up and get some of those back shoulder throws, and then you got Cleveland to take the top off the defense and the stable of running backs that Florida's got. I think they, assuming the offensive line can be competent, then you have the workings of a of an offense that can be that can be average, and an average offense at Florida is going to be such an improvement <laughs> that we're all going to be really really excited about what happens. The other thing is, I do think from the early season schedule. I mean, you've got you got Charleston Southern to start it out, and then you know, and then you got I think what Colorado State are they the second one, and then you've got no um, Kentucky game two, and then okay. Colorado State, yep, and then Colorado State, but that, but they're all in the swamp. They're yep. all relatively early, and so I do think there's an opportunity for Florida to get some momentum. And and you know most analytic guys hate that, but I do think there's something to be said for confidence. And I think there's an ability to get some confidence in those three home games early, carry that into Knoxville. You get a big win in Knoxville, you're four and zero, and you're already ahead where you were last year because you finished four and seven. So assuming there aren't any hurricanes that disrupt things this year. Um, you know, really, I think the way they start out of the shoot will sort of set the tone for the way the season goes and the way the fan base feels about things. And and Mullen's going to get quite a bit of rope just because of things were so bad offensively under McIlwain that even if they end up like 75th or 80th, it's oh, yeah. still such a step up <laughs> that, you know, it's improvement. It's progress. All hey, 75th or 80th last year probably gets you wins versus LSU and A&M. <laughs> Yeah, but then look at who we've got as the coach. Ah, so. no. it worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord works in mysterious ways, my friend. So, uh, no, but right, I, I, I want to leave you with this right quick. Go uh, for it. Um, Cole Kublick was on Matt Wyatt's show out of Mississippi uh, last week. And to quote Cole Kublick, Dan Mullen will win an SEC championship and a national championship at Florida. That's going to happen. He said that late last week. So, you know, somebody who's on the SEC network, somebody who is around programs a lot. Now, we did know Cole Kubik was very high on the uh, Florida offensive line last year, and, and <laughs> that didn't turn out too well. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that strong words coming from uh, a guy who, you know, who played the game, who is an analyst, who studies, the, studies film, studies uh, all these teams in the SEC with a very high remark for Dan Mullen. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I think – Obviously, the first thing I thought of when you when you said Kubelik was the same thing that he said last year about the offensive line. But anybody who's done this for any length of time has been wrong, yes. and really, really wrong repeatedly. You can go back and look in my archive and talk about and find all sorts of things that I wish I had not said. I had evidence to back it up, but, I still, <laughs> but it still didn't turn out to be true. So I can empathize with him in that respect. And, and certainly, the guys played the game, and I think he knows what he's talking about. I would say that the the initial recruiting class indicates that Mullen is is more on you know we've talked about this a lot but he's more from his talent standpoint he's less McIlwain and more the other guys. What happens on the field will determine whether he's more Meyer or more Muschamp, and then what happens in the recruiting next year is going to really determine how good Florida can be. Now, one of the things he's going to run into is is Kirby Smart. And so Kirby Smart is bringing in an unbelievable amount of talent. And I still have some questions about his coaching ability, though I do think it was impressive last year the way he was able to sort of navigate the Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, you know, that it didn't divide the team. They didn't have any problems. It was very clear early on it was going to be Fromm's team. He dealt with that, I think, very, very well. So um, 
you know, we'll see. I mean, an SEC, an SEC championship and a national championship means you have to beat Georgia. Yep. And and next year might be an opportunity because they've lost a lot of seniors. And if they can pull that off, I think that sets you up for a pretty monster recruiting class going forward in 2019 just because everybody starts to see the momentum. If you get beat by 40 by Georgia again, then you start to lose that momentum and it becomes an issue. So um, I'm not ready to proclaim anybody a national championship level coach. I think what I will say is the historical record says that Mullen gets his players to play at the level of talent that they are. So at Mississippi State, he was getting a recruiting ranking average of around 25, and the ESPN FPI and the football power index numbers were around 25 as well. And so I think if he starts bringing in recruiting classes that are top three at Florida, we're going to have a top three program, and that's the way it's going to be. Um, but obviously, he's got to get those recruiting classes to be top three. Um, I think we've seen a lot of that recently with some of the guys who've been on campus. I mean, he's had, yeah. he's had top 10 national players and many of them on campus paying their own way to come to campus for these spring practices, and they've come away impressed. If he can get some of those guys to come, then I think Kubelik's prediction comes true. If he can't get those guys to come in the, in the 2019 and 2020 classes, then you know he's going to struggle because Kirby's got a lot of talent. Yep, yep, yep. That's going to be fun. Uh, but that was a, uh, I called that last week. So I wanted to, to make sure I get, since you were only here last week, I uh, get your thoughts there. Uh, anything coming up on Read Reaction this week? I know you released your Kyle Trask uh, look. Uh, that was on Sunday. So you probably be, uh, what, uh, either later in the week or on the weekend? Yeah, so there's going to be a Jake Allen article coming up this week. Again, I want to go through the entire quarterback depth chart and give people an idea of what's going on. Um, and then also, I'm thinking about writing something. I've mentioned this in the past, but I've really been while I was on the road, I had an opportunity to read some of the some of the scientific literature behind CTE and things like that. And I'm going to be writing something about that because you know it, it's in the minds of everyone who watches football the the idea of the head contact and the NFL just came out with rules mm -hmm. today that they're having on that sort of stuff and and so. You know, I do think that it's that it's incumbent upon us to think about those sorts of things and have those discussions. And so, uh, hopefully, there'll be something up there later in the week on that. Yeah, we know you and I've had plenty of discussion behind the scenes on that, uh, how it affects the game we love so much. And you know, hopefully, you know, it doesn't affect the future of it too much. But yeah, yeah, I would definitely look forward to that. And uh, you know, going back and forth uh, with with others out there, how, how you and I have uh, about that topic. So. Uh, remember, you can find all your Gators Breakdown podcast and news for uh, and Gator football articles on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. That's where you can find uh, the podcast. All most recent episode, all episodes in the past. Um, you can find Will on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. And as we mentioned, his articles at readandreaction.com. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And remember, guys and girls out there, pack the swamp for the spring game, April 14th, just a couple more weeks away. Uh, we get that game. Uh, you know, it'll be it'll be televised, uh, but you know, let's go let's go pack the swamp uh, for uh, for that spring game. And Dan Mullins, first time coaching these guys on the field. So, guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode. Get it Breakdown.